You are listening to KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, 88.1 FM Fort Bragg. Altogether, we make up Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, member-supported community radio. We also stream live on the web at kzyx.org. Support for KZYX comes from our members and Mendocino Coast Botanical Gardens, announcing Art in the Gardens, Saturday and Sunday, August 5th and 6th. Art, food, wine, craft beers, live music featuring Deep Pockets, New Nashville West, La Unda, and Mama Gross Funk. Advanced tickets recommended. For details, visit gardenbythesea.org. Hi, and welcome to Be More Now. My name is Blake Moore, and tonight on Be More Now, I'll be interviewing Sonoma County author and poet Steve Trenum. We'll be discussing his life as a professor, his latest book, and basking in the fun, intelligent writing of this fine poet. Trenum is able to transform empty and blank spaces into places of worship that entice the reader to leave the dark corners of our rooms to experience not only the world that he creates through these poems, but also the ways in which art, music, dance, and poetry are rooted at the heart of all things. Stay tuned and see what I mean. To get us in the mood, here's a bit of a throwback. Phoebe Snow doing Poetry Man.
going home now well, Home's that place somewhere you go each day To see your wife, yeah, yeah, yeah To see your wife Oh, oh, talk to me some more You know that you don't have to go You're the poetry Before I bring the interview I did with Steve earlier this week up, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Petaluma poet Steve Trenum is a Santa Rosa Junior College instructor of poetry writing in their Older Adults program. He is also a founding member of Poetic License Sonoma, which collaborates with Sebastopol Center for the Arts to put on regular poetry readings. Steve was a recipient of a Randolph Newman grant, which helped him bring the 24th U.S. Poet Laureate, Ida Limon, to Santa Rosa Junior College last November. Steve's book of poetry, An Affront to Gravity, was recently published by Blue Light Press. His poetry and ceramic art can also be found in Canyon, River, Stone, and Light. He also has another book with poems, Pandemic Puzzle Poems. Other individual poems appear in Crossroads, the Redwood Writers Poetry Anthology, Jerry Jazz Musician, a collection of jazz poetry, and Poem of the Day with Larry Robinson, plus multiple online journals. Steve Trenum's mother owned a bookstore from 1962 to 1985 in Petaluma, California. It was called Alta's Old Bookshop, and its value lay not only in its glossy modernity, but in being a dusty delivery room for the birth of ideas. It was for Steve a source of the answers and insights, which enlarged his personal life and gave it meaning. It also generated his impulse to write. So here I am talking with Steve Trenum. Welcome. Yeah, good to hear your voice again, too, Blake. Would you like to start us off with a poem so everyone gets a feel for your work? Oh, they can get a feel for one poem anyway. <laughs> uh, I'll just preface this. that poet friend once told me that to steal from one person is plagiarism. If you steal from many people, it's research. So this poem is titled Into the Mystic with a nod to Van Morrison, Lewis Carroll, and Mose Allison. I love it. Into the Mystic. Life cannot sustain itself in a Ziploc bag. It needs wind in its sails to carry it out to sea, no matter how rough that sea might be. Into the mystic, that's where I want to go. A surprise at every turn. What a way to learn. I have known humdrum schools and had jobs chasing aphids and dewey decimals. But my mind is drawn to imaginative worlds with rabbit holes and parachutes. The tea party doesn't interest me unless it's the one with a mouse at the table and a hat that's gone mad. The cat with a grin knows where I live, under the tum-tum tree where its burgeoning shade is feared by the bandersnatches of the world. And in that shade, I shall have a dalliance with a dimple-cheeked girl in sailboat pajamas 
who sets into motion the notion that if you go into the mystic, you will live the life you love and love the life you live. Thank you. <laughs> Very inspired and inspiring. Yeah, yeah I, wrote it a few days, I wrote it a few days ago. After. Oh, nice. Do you feel that inspiration in your life, that you're living the life that you want to live? Now, after, you know, a, a number of decades with jobs chasing aphids and Dewey Decimals, I worked in libraries and I worked for uh, UC Davis where I had to drive a truck around and collect aphids off of sugar beets. And uh, not a real inspiring... I, in fact, I, I, I don't think I've ever had a job in my life except my current one, which is teaching a poetry writing class for the junior college in their older adults program uh, that I really love doing and, you know, would have done it if they hadn't paid me. Uh, it's always been, you know, chasing aphids or right. Dewey Decimal. Are you still teaching so, at the junior college or are you retired? I'm retired from everything else except for Fridays when I have a 10 o'clock class on uh, mm-hmm. online virtual class. And it's a great it's a, a great class. It's so enjoyable because, you know, people in their 60s or 70s, I've got one woman who's 94, have experienced a, a long life and have lots mm. of things to write about. And uh, they've all become really good poets. I'm amazed. And they're insightful. And when I bring poems to class, they uh, have intuition and insight and diagnostic capabilities that amaze me. I, you get so many different looks at a at a poem. If I bring Ted Kuser in, you know, they're excited and uh, I read several of his poems. And then I give them 15 minutes to write a response to the poems that I've brought. And those are amazing. You wouldn't think somebody could write a decent poem in 15 minutes, but I get amazing poems from that session. And then at the end, the students read poems from home that they've written and get feedback from myself and other st- the other students. So it's a really enjoyable class to teach. The students love it, particularly if I bring a, a person to the, the Zoom meeting on, uh, in person. That person read his or her poems, and the students then respond to it and comment yeah. on it. Oh, I just got to do a workshop with Lee Herrick, who's currently the Poet Laureate. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, our our poet laureate is Elizabeth Heron, and she's marvelous. She's just a a, a wonderful poet. And then, of course, our, our United States poet laureate is is incredible. I I uh, got her to come to the JC by writing a grant for the pandemic. And then two weeks before she was to appear at the junior college, she was awarded the poet laureate of the U.S. So. We weren't sure if she was going to make it, but she did. People don't realize that you can start writing poetry at any age. And as you mentioned before, oftentimes you're older and experienced and and all your, the life wisdom you have is so much more easily translated into poetry. It's not, you know, when you were younger, I know for myself, it was just feelings and impressions and my observations of the world but as you get older you have that as well as your own experience and all the the peaks and and valleys that we've gone through that really can come back in through the poetry so I think that it's wonderful that you're encouraging people of all ages to write and not only that seeing amazing writing yeah it's been as I said uh an amazing class to work with just because of the things you just said 
uh, yeah. the amount of experience that they've had just in living a life and they're anxious to write and uh, as I, I I don't know what you got from what I was saying before when we had phone problems but I have a 94 year old and then lots of people in their 70s and 60s and they're insightful they're kind to one another they're supportive of the poetry they bring to class from home and then they just love the fact that I bring them new poets each week. Yeah. We have class on Friday mornings from 10 till 1230, uh, sometimes one. And I read somebody like Ted Kuzer or uh, Elizabeth Bishop, and they learn so much from the variety of poets, poems that I bring to class. And then I give them a 15 minute period to write a poem in response to what they've just heard. And those poems are absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm astounded that anybody can write a poem in 15 minutes, but I think it has something to do with a husband not wanting to be fed a laundry that doesn't need to be washed at the time you're writing a poem. You've, you've just have to concentrate on what you're doing and you don't have distractions. I think that's well, part of it. I think that's part of it, but I also think that there's something really valuable about giving people prompts and then showing up with the inspiration that will also, you know, give people that ability to, to write something, that structure. You know, I was talking about Lee's workshop. He had us write about our fire. You know, everyone's got something innately inside them that drives you and it's usually a wound that it kind of shows up in everything and it drives you and it kind of motivates you to keep knowing yourself more and more and you want us to write from the perspective of still being you know in middle school or early high school and we had you had to use three proper nouns and then he passed around he had everyone write a word on a piece of paper that we thought other people wouldn't know what it meant and we weren't allowed to look up the word and then everyone got this word. So we had three things that we had to incorporate in this, you know, 10 minute writing session. And it was incredible. There's about 30 people, 35 people in the workshop and what everyone read. And it was aged, you know, from 20 to 70, you know, it was a whole range of people. You can really see how much prompts can do for a person's writing. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny you should mention that. I, I had a class several years ago, where I told everyone on, on a blank sheet of paper to write down a word they've never used in a poem but wished that they could. And one person wrote down the word thistle down. Uh -huh. And then I told them they had to send that word to the person next to them. Right. So they couldn't use their own word. Yeah, that's exactly person, right. The person that got that word, thistle down, started his poem off saying, put that thistle down, you're just going to get your fingers full of holes. So he wasn't, he wasn't talking about the little puff, that little powder puff that floats off of the thistle and is the down, but rather the holes you're going to get by grabbing thistle. So it's amazing that you know, how people react to certain prompts. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think one of my favorites was uh, write about your mother's kitchen and what goes on in it. 
Okay. And uh, you cannot include, let's see, oh, and you have to include somebody not in the family in the poem. Right. And I got, and I got three poems, each of which had uh, curling yellow linoleum from the kitchen floor. They all, we all had. Everybody had the same kind of linoleum. Yeah, well, three of them did, and, and it was curling up at the edges, just like mine. Right, and yellowing the way it yeah. does. Yeah. doesn't do that as much now. I think they've perfected the uh, the plastic technique, but it certainly did in the old days. I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Be More Now. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm speaking with Petaluma poet Steve Trenum. That's great. You want to share another poem just because? Just because. All right. Uh, just because? Yeah, why not? Just so we I can. Will, I will respond by saying not even, which happens to be the title of the poem. And it's about the process of being present uh, even when you're not writing. Mm. Not even. For once, leave the blank page to itself. Feel the pull of the oar, the light on the water. Forget putting words around that bottomless sky or the rainbow that just swam by your boat. Be mindless of your middle name and the need to record alders and poplars as they pass. Note only a mosquito in the instant of its landing. Simply drift as the current takes you by the honeysuckle shore towards home. Ignore the circling words, not even the great blue of the heron flying into a setting sun will make you write this down. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about right there. Yeah. Good choice. So you live in Petaluma, right? Yeah, I live uh, about five feet into the country and it's, uh, I just had a turkey vultures fly right by my open window. I've got uh, wild turkeys with a dozen little children running around, deer, raccoons, a fox, and an occasional coyote. So, right. Uh, and I've got forty-five lavender bushes. I'm looking at over my computer. You're you're in a more rural part of Sonoma County. Yeah, I'm in the northwest edge of Petaluma, and it's a uh, I, I have a a beautiful cottage that. I adore, so I'm very lucky. So you wanna to talk to me about uh, your poetic license, Sonoma? Yeah, it's a group that I and one of my students started uh, from a trip we had to a place that he rented up in the Sierras on the Yuba River. And uh, we took a number of people from the class there and for three or four days, we wrote poems together and read them to one another. And we thought, this is really fun. So we formed a group and it started off with nine poets. There are uh, eight now. Um, and I had a connection with the Sebastopol Center for the Arts 
and talked to the director and she said, yeah, we'd like to get more poetry in here. So for the last four or five years, we've been, for, uh, until recently, we were reading once a month, um, the fourth Tuesday of each month in, in the evening at seven o'clock. And each time we would have a, a guest poet who would be our headliner. And we would each read five minutes of poems that we'd written. And then the guest poet would have maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And we've had a number of poet laureates. Um, our current one, Elizabeth Bishop read, she's an absolutely marvelous poet, Maya Kosla, who has a book of poems out on the 2017 fires and makes films as well. And Megan Merchant from, um, from what state is she in? I think she's in uh, New Mexico. A anyway, we've had, each time we've had a, a reading on Zoom with the Sebastopol Center for the Arts, we've had a guest poet and it's been very fruitful and enjoyable. We just switched to quarterly. So we're reading in January, uh, April, July, and October. Uh, that way we avoid the, ho the holidays when they occur, when, you know, it interferes with our schedule. Right. And it gives people a little break, a chance. It's hard to do it once a month. Yeah, it's true. Once a month can kind of make things a little bit, uh, you don't get the same crowd if you, but, but there's something about the consistency too that is different. Yeah. Uh, the, the center's one of the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, it is one of the premier art centers in Northern California. It's, it's uh, always short of money, but it's, it's never short of skill and uh, quality art. They're doing, uh, I've just been asked to write a poem, an ekphrastic poem. You know what an ekphrastic no, Why don't you tell our listeners what that is? Yeah, Ekphraxis is a, a poem written about a work of art. A poem about a work of art. It can be a painting. It can be sculpture. It can be dance. It can be music. It can be any artistic form. And an ekphrastic poem is a poem written about a specific piece of, of art or, or kind of art. And I enjoy them very much. I've done a number of them. The center has done two shows. The first one was the poet writing about the piece of art. And the second was the artist doing a painting or sculpture or whatever about a poem. So I can work both directions. And this next one coming up, I'm going to receive a, a piece of art. I don't know what it is. It, it's a random assignment. And then I'll have 45 days to write a poem about it that's going to be paired with the piece of art in a show at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts. And they do a catalog with the show. It's really a, a, an incredible piece of work. I mean, just getting the pieces from owners, collecting them, they had 144 pieces in the first show from collectors. And it took them a year to, to get them all together. And they had to pay insurance and put alarms on them. There were Picassos and Juan Gris and uh, Nathan Oliveras. The Nathan Oliveira, I just, uh, 
I toyed with the idea of seeing how far I could get with it running out the door, but uh, it, it, it should be another marvelous show. What piece of work did you write your poem for? Well, I haven't gotten it yet. So she said the call I just got uh, was the organizer, and she's uh, sending me the whatever work it is, a photograph of it in the next couple of days, and, and then I'll have to write a, an acrostic poem about it. And the show will be where? Sebastopol Center of the Arts. And when is that show going to be? Uh, I don't know what, what the schedule is, but it, it'll probably be a, a couple of months if I've got 45 days to write a poem. So <laughs> maybe September or October. Okay, I'll keep but it just on. Go, just Google Sebastopol Center for the Arts and you'll see they've got a fabric show on now. That's extraordinary. And uh, it's in a huge building. They actually have two, uh, two venues, two um studios to show art in and then a huge conference room and then another room for serving food and stuff it's it's a an incredible building it used to be a veterans building so i can't say enough about the quality of the place and the people in it we've enjoyed reading there very much they've been very supportive so do you have one that you've written from a piece of art before i do but if we're on the radio it's kind of hard to uh if it's not a piece of work that's, that's recognizable, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I can read you. I can read you one about. It could could be a tangential kind of uh, ecrastic poem. It's about Rumi. You know the poet Rumi. Of course. All right. Uh, fans of Rumi may not uh, like me doing this, but I can't resist. Rumified, Rumified. Quote. Words are a pretext. It's the inner bond that draws one person to another, not words, unquote, from Rumi. Not true of you, Rumi. Your words draw people together in caravans. They draw oohs and ahs from adoring throngs. People crawling through life who were born with wings. You inspire them to incite your poems imploring us to join the nightingale in the garden, to taste sugar with the soul parrot. I am ashamed to admit, after an evening in your garden, I sometimes find myself longing for the grease of a medium rare burger dripping into the fertile wound of a Charles Bukowski paperback. <laughs> I like the idea that Rumi and Bukowski are in the same poem. Yeah, Bukowski is is about Not as far exactly removed, yeah. as far removed from Rumi as you can get. But you know, I, 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 I maybe I'm just not sensitive enough. But after after an hour of inspiration and ethereal longing in poems, I I, I do really feel like grabbing a greasy burger. Well, you know, it's true. Do, do you know uh, Ronald Sauer? Do you remember him? He passed a few years ago, but he was a North Beach poet, friend yeah. of Eddie and part of that Poets Brigade, but yeah. very much an outsider and phenomenal poet. And I met him in the late 80s and I would think of him as a, as a mentor. As in, he always inspired me. One of the things that he always said is like, ah, oh, your poems are too light. You need to put some darkness in those poems. And he would like, oh, I, I feel like I just ate too much candy, <laughs> you know. And it was such, yeah, yeah, right. It was such yeah. a great opportunity to kind of deepen and realize that, you know, there's that Taoist saying: the bigger the front, the bigger the back. And you've got to fold those two places in it. And so I, that's what your poem just did. That's what it made me think of. 
Well, thank you. It, it, uh, I, I know it would wrinkle the fur of some uh, Rumi fans, but uh, I just couldn't resist. I think that's the idea, right? We all take ourselves too seriously. And I think Rumi would have balked at the idea of anyone taking him too serious, right? That's Rumi. That was yeah. kind of the whole existence was about that. Yeah. So, you know, at least the way we hear about him, whether our historical stories are, are fully accurate or not, you know, I've definitely seen some scholarly debates of what really happened. So have you ever been to a, a Rumi caravan event in in uh, the area? I've actually participated. I participated in one that was at um, Open Secret in San Rafael. Oh, okay. I used to have a lot of Rumi poetry memorized. And then I used to dance Rumi poetry, you know, back when I was a you know younger poet and doing more performance stuff out. Oh, dancing. Dancing. Well, Rumi's so poetry, I would do kind of yogic dancing to Rumi. Oh, all right. I, would, I was preferring to write, to do my own poetry and the Rumi caravan, you know, they wanted me to just do Rumi poetry. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick moment to remind you that you're listening to Be More Now. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm speaking with Petaluma poet, Steve Trenum. My daughter just retired as a ballet dancer. Oh, you she... should learn to dance your poetry. Yeah, well, she she has helped me edit it on occasion. Right. Uh, she always slashes about half of my poem off. So I have to take her with a grain of salt, but she's a, a, an incredibly intelligent young woman. She likes to read poetry. Does she write also? Yeah, she writes. Um, she's getting married in September. And I'm uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to say at the event and what I'm going to wear if I can get into my suit pants anymore. Um, but <laughs> yeah, she, she's she. I, I can't think of many people who, at the age of two and a half, knew what they wanted to do and realized that dream. He worked so hard at it. it was, dancers are injured more than football players. Well, I'm dealing with an injury right now, and I've been dancing my whole life, and it's connected to my feet. Yeah. You know, a lot of dancers end up getting flat feet because we're not wearing proper shoes, and we don't understand that, you know, the process of the way the skeleton develops. And I've been dealing with a sciatica down my right leg that I cannot, you know, I've always done yoga. I've done everything that you're supposed to do. And, you know, just because I do yoga, I'm an athlete, and it's been it's, it's really interesting to kind of go through this process, but I'm finally, you know, starting at the core, which is the feet. It's not the hips. It's not the knees. It's not the nerves. It's the feet. And now that I'm working on the feet, I'm actually relieving. I don't have as much pain. So, you know, it's, as you get older, that's why I stopped doing a lot of the things that I did when I was in, you know, even in my forties, I just decided it was time to back off of that lifestyle. Cause it was just too much. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, What's your I'll daughter? Pardon? How old is your daughter? 34. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I shall miss seeing her dance. I got to see her perform uh, as the Firebird and also as Giselle. Do you have any poems about her? I do. Would you uh, like to read a poem? All right. I always love poems that people write for family members that they're close to, especially when, you know, everybody can relate to certain things about the feelings that come through parents. Or All right. This is called poems. full, this is called full circle. Okay. Hanging on a note on point, just so while the universe hums, Oh, watch her body sway. 
my sedentary bones bask in her glow. Eliana is two and a half. We're here a screech and run into the room where Swan Lake is on PBS. Are you okay? She points to the screen and exclaims, that. We can take you to the ballet. She says, no, that. You mean you want to do that, to be that? Yes, yes. 27 years later, she is Stravinsky's bird on fire. From her perch off stage, she bursts through the air, landing in a flurry of red, her arms unfurling into supple, slowly strumming wings. Stravinsky's lifeblood flows through her movement. Notes and dancers so in sync, she becomes the instrument, sound itself. Assessing her domain, the firebird burns slowly. With her leg extended, she taps the ground around her, probing her surroundings. This is where she belongs. The firebird controls her realm. The dancer dominates the stage. She is a bird through and through, a flaming blur across the toe-bruised floor. At home with the music, with her movement, with the audience, joyful beyond a young girl's dreams. Waiting outside the stage door, a young girl, about four, in red leotard and tutu, pirouettes in the hall, holding a single rose, and as she turns, sings, the bird, the bird, the bird. That's a poem about my daughter. What a beautiful poem, wow. Yeah, thank you. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of inspiration for it. But uh, she did, at two and, that's exactly what happened. At two and a half, she said, that's what I wanna be. The... She knew, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. That's pretty amazing when someone has that sense of self so early and does it. And she's been in New York, correct? In uh, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Yeah, it's a lovely she's city. It's... Because she's tired of ballet or physical reasons? Or oh, just... no, it's, it's taken its toll. And for a ballet dancer, that's getting near the end, 34. And she's got other things, other irons in the fire. Absolutely. You want to stop before you're injured. That's actually the smart way of doing it. And the, 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 the astounding thing for me about it is that I would see her struggling with the choreography and trying to, to get it down in our kitchen when she was still a kid. And, uh, you know, at rehearsals, if I was there to see them. Yet, whenever she was before an audience, it, it, it was, she was almost faultless. I mean, people told me their eyes just went to her even though they didn't know who she was. She was just such a, a beautiful dancer before an audience. She always came up to the, the challenge and it, it was her true joy in life uh, to be able to do that. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm just astounded that somebody can perform at that level, um, you know, even when they're having trouble before the performance. Right, right. You just have to step in. We were talking about that this weekend. I had a, a band stay at my house and 
they're, you know, they tour all over the place and they're very, very active, you know, seven gigs in a row kind of thing. And they just took a few days off and we just all sat and talked and, and there's something about musicians or songwriters and poets and painters and the arts dancers you know there was a mix of everybody that you enter in a kind of a conversational understanding that is it really is it all comes down to listening whatever you're listening to if you're listening to what the brush wants you to put on the canvas or you're listening to what the music how it wants to move your body or you're listening to the way the words are flowing in, you know, or just, you know, you're listening to the way that, you know, the music moves you. It's such a kind of profound collective coming together that I think we need more of in the world. Like there is a certain kind of a cultural shift that has to kind of happen away from the fast, fast media that's going to last four minutes or three minutes. And then the attention span is just not there. There's something about that ability to sit with people and, just exchange and silence can happen. And it's not because there's nothing to say. It's that maybe someone says something that we're like, oh, wow, let's just sit on that for a second. And no one's rushing in to top that thought. Or there are certain places where you just let it, let it rest until you, you know, that's why there's a rest notation in music. This is when you stop. It's important that we develop those skills. And I think the, the work you've been doing in Sonoma County, you want to talk about the Petaluma poetry walk what what yeah it'll it'll be happening happening um in september you'll have to google it i don't have the date written down in front of me i think it's on the 18th it's on a sunday i think it's the 18th and it starts you know in the morning 10 or 11 o'clock and you go from one um business to another it can be a restaurant it can be a theater a bar um other venues and there'll be two or three poets at each stop i I will be at the phoenix theater with two other poets at four o'clock on that day and then it ends with uh several poor laureates at seven o'clock okay but uh they're all published poets and um it's 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 really a treat you can stop at a restaurant and have a bite to eat you can shop you can go down to the river you can uh you can go to my favorite restaurant water street bistro which is on the river at the end of western avenue and have a a bite she's absolutely one of the best chefs around anywhere and Mm. it's it's reasonable so that's happening and then on august 12th uh, larry robinson if you're familiar with him he he has a day daily poem he sends out and i don't know he's got a ton of people that sign up for it so i'm going to be appearing on zoom with him on the 12th from uh, 10 uh, till 10 30 okay reading poems and the following day i'll be reading at a book launch for a redwood writers poetry anthology of this year Okay. They had over 800 submissions, so they had to turn a lot of people down. I I feel fortunate to have three poems in the collection, so I'll be reading one of them. And then there's Poetic License I'll be reading, so my life is is fairly filled at the moment. I, I would like at some point to get some of these 150 poems since my last book into a manuscript and published, but that's another job. Um, you want one more poem 
I would, but I also, before you do that, I want to know how people can find out. You, you just mentioned these things, but do you have a website or a place people can go to find out more about you or Petaluma Riverwalk or some kind of a way that people can learn more? Yeah, um, I mean, you won't have any trouble finding me by just by Googling my name, but we have a website, Poetic License Sonoma, and uh, we are trying to update it because it's it hasn't been tended to. Um, we're, we're trying to get somebody with website experience to update it for us. But um, the names of the poets are there for the most part. There's still, still two who are no longer in the group. But so just Google Poetic License Sonoma, Sebastopol Center for the Arts, uh, Literary Arts to get recordings of our previous readings if you want to watch and uh, an idea of what's coming up. And then Larry Robinson and, and Rumi's caravan um, can be found the same, same way. Thank you. Shall I leave you with a- Yes, absolutely, another poem, I, absolutely. I don't know when you're ending this, but- uh, No, another poem would be fabulous. Okay, this is a, just another one of my fantasies. It's titled, If the Moon Fell. If the moon fell, what good would it be just floating a bit offshore, its unrelenting brightness no longer distant, the entire city sleepless? Waxing, waning, missing, ashamed of its pockmarked complexion and lack of gravitational pull, tides gone, the shoreline now tiresome save for the moon's slightly bobbing presence, its luminosity no longer having anything to do with the sun. Perpetually full, but never again filled with romantic notions. The sky is darker, shadows are deeper, and sanitation workers are chipping away to remove it from the landscape. Still, I'd like to have seen the splash. Ah, thank you so much, Steve Trenum. What a pleasure it's been talking with you. Keep up the fabulous poetry and all the ways that you bring arts and communication and expression into the world. Very grateful. Thank you. And that concludes my interview with Petaluma poet Steve Trenum. He's also a professor, teaches older adults at Santa Rosa Junior College. And his book that came out not too long ago is called An Affront to Gravity. Yeah, you should definitely check him out. He's a really interesting poet. I met him when he performed at the Point Arena Third Thursday Poetry last January and really enjoyed his work, especially with the musicians. He's got a real sense of music and joy in his poetry, and you can really feel his exuberance and long time at it as a poet and as a performer. I want to let you know about a couple shows that are coming up. On Friday, August 4th, which is tomorrow at 9 a.m., we have Inside KZYX, hosted by KZYX staff. It's heard on the first and third Fridays at 9 a.m. It's an opportunity for listeners to learn about the station's many different projects and programs with a call-in segment for your questions and concerns. Again, that's Inside KZYX tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And also tomorrow, Friday, August 4th, is Pride Radio at 7 p.m. Join hosts Roland Corey Medina and Chad Swimmer for Pride Nation 101. The theme of the episode is Lest We Forget. 
examining the lives of queer people in America lived just a couple of generations back with an archival interview with a World War II veteran, Calvin McIntosh. That's all this Friday, tomorrow, right here on this station, KZYXNZ. And you can also listen to us online at kzyx.org. I'd also like to mention a couple of fun things we have going on this weekend. As you know, August in Mendocino County is full of things to do. There's definitely no shortage of events to occupy your time this weekend. Of course, at the top of the show, I did an announcement for the Mendocino Botanical Gardens. They're having a big art weekend this this whole weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Of course, at the top of the show, I mentioned art in the gardens, celebrating creativity and community amongst the summer blossoms. Those festivities are both Saturday and Sunday, and they go from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. More info about that event can be found at gardenbythesea.org and go to the visit section. But it's the 30th anniversary of this festival, and they're bringing back wine tasting. There'll be food, wine, craft beers, and of course, lots of live music and art as well as special performances by Circus Mecca and the Mendocino Dance Project. And the perennial garden is the Dahlia's and it's going to be at its peak. Be aware that parking is limited, so please carpool. And more information, again, tickets and all that information is at gardenbythesea.org. I also want to make one more mention, a little shout out to some Guelala Point Arena folks, Aaron and Kuzara from Thrive. They're going to be doing a duo at the Anderson Valley Brewing Company on Saturday, again, August 5th from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And they'll be in the beer garden and you can find them on Facebook for more information. You can check out the Anderson Valley Brewing Company at avbc.com to get more information there. I just want to let you know that Aaron and Kazara make beautiful, original music with a lot of love and a lot of soul. I want to make one more announcement for Music is the Mixer on August 11th. That's a Friday at the Thirsty Axe in Ukiah. The event's from 6 to 9. It's all ages. And from 9 to closing, it's 18 plus with an ID. It's an invitation to experience the vibrant celebration of 50 years of hip-hop culture curated and hosted by MC Radioactive, uniting artists, musicians, and creative minds from all backgrounds to collaborate and inspire each other. I'm also going to be part of the show and I'll be teaching a workshop in the first portion, a 45 minute all ages workshop on creative writing, writing for performance. And that's free again, all ages. And then I'm going to be doing about a 10, 15 minute set, probably around 730 with poetry. And again, at nine o'clock is when the hip hop will get started. There's a really great lineup of hip hop artists and DJs. So check it out. You can find out more information at the thirsty axe.com well that about concludes my show be more now i'm your host blake moore and thank you so much for listening i'm gonna take us out with a couple of inspirational songs songs that both mean something to me and hopefully will speak to you uh first i'm gonna play rising appalachia occupy and uh you know we gotta occupy our own minds 
And then I'm going to take us out with a song called Smile Worldwide featuring Keith Porter from the Itals. And this is from a local album, some Mendocino County, Sonoma County friends of mine, Este Ritmo, and that's the Tropicali crew. So shout out to Selector Science and JMO and Delwyn and everybody out there. Be sure and stay tuned because up next at 8 o'clock is The Treehouse with W. Dan and he will not be interviewing the award-winning author of anything important. He'll not be speaking with the foremost authority on anything profound. So be sure and keep listening from 8 to 10. And so stay tuned right here on KZUX. Lots more good programming for the rest of the night. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening and have a beautiful, beautiful evening. Enjoy the stars out there. Soon I will be done with the troubles. 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 Soon I will be soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. With the troubles of the world. With the troubles of the world. Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world.